Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast, where we are forging genuine human connection through fitness, health, mindset, and nutrition. Let's get to the show with your hosts, Jared Bradford, Connor Edelbrock, and Corey Mueller. Welcome! You're tuned in to the Weekly Warrior Podcast. This is Bones and Corey. You feeling good? We're feeling, we're having fun already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're feeling real good. Good. So, um, yeah, let's get into this. Uh, welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast. We're going to talk about something that's a secret to Corey, and I have known about it for a while. I'm going to be honest with you, I did not expect to be doing this story today but mm. you gave me a really nice story yesterday and damn it don't test my generosity because i'll give you a real good story today you give it give it to me buddy i will it's <laughs> we were not, we were having a good time and this is not as good of a time it's about animals oh yeah. um and we've been doing things about people and this is not totally about uh, one person although one person is 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 a big part of it i'm okay. being very vague i'm sure you're anxious yeah. just to start I like aminals and people. Animals, you like animal crackers. Aminal, aminals, aminal crackers. <laughs> let me uh, let me start with this question. When, when you were a kid, did your parents tell you you could do anything you wanted? You could be anything you wanted when you grew up. I yeah, I, they never discouraged me from doing anything. Good, nice. We're gonna talk about the circus today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the circus has been around since ancient Rome, where they held exhibitions of horses chariot races, stage battles, and displayed fights between aminals. <laughs> uh, these Roman buildings were not circular, like we see a circular circus today, but they were rectangular. The circus in Rome was called Circus Maximus, and it could hold 250,000 people. Yeah. That's large. That's large. That's huge. More circuses popped up in Rome under the rule of Nero. Are you okay? So Nero, who he was also responsible for the burning of Rome at the yeah, beginning. I was gonna say crazy Emperor Nero. He was a nuts dude, and he was pretty much the beginning of the end for that that whole uh, people. Yeah, he was nuts. That, that's very brief ancient history. The modern circus didn't appear until 1768 when a man named Philip Astley came around. He was credited as the father of the modern circus. He was a skilled equestrian and began doing stunts and tricks. It was a pretty new thing, I'm sure, back then, uh, equestrianism. I don't know. He soon hired acrobats, tightrope walkers, jugglers, and a clown to fill in the pauses of his equestrian stunts. 
It was around this time that the circus became known to be in a circular ring because uh, Philip rode in circles instead of straight lines during his performances. Instead of, uh, you know, back in Rome, they had the rectangle stone building. So this guy's like, I'm going to go in circles because it's different. The first circus opened in the U.S. in 1792 in Philadelphia after a John Bill Ricketts took his circus affairs from England across the Atlantic. His first show uh, was on April 3rd, and George Washington was in, uh, attended a performance. The circus would continue to include horse shows, battle reenactments, and acrobatics, among other displays of showmanship. The format really didn't change of the circus. So it wasn't like, I mean, t- I guess recently, you know, we have the elephants and we think of elephants and, and, and lions and all these things. Yeah. But back then it was pretty much like, hey, this was uh, the Revolutionary War. Let's reenact it. Right. And, you know, here's some tricks. Here's a guy juggling some flames. And like that yeah. was kind of the it. Sword swallowers. Sword swallowers. Yeah, that's probably yeah. back then. Yeah. One man revolutionized the circus. And this brings us to July 10th, 1810 mm. you know where we're going not really okay are we going yeah. to pt barnum <laughs> you joined me on this son of a bitch's ride <laughs> phineas taylor barnum there he is yeah good guy was born in bethel connecticut was he really a good guy though yeah. a cool movie but not really. great movie yeah. hugh jackman yeah jackman yeah yeah, this the real guy was the son of an innkeeper and a tailor, and his grandfather was a legislator, a justice of the peace, and a lottery schemer. Mm. Good start. He yeah. has a, a great influence on Phineas growing up. As Phineas grew older, he began to go by his initials, P.T. Barnum. As a young adult, he was a book auctioning store owner, a real estate speculator, a general store owner, and he ran a lottery network. He also ran a newspaper in which he criticized the elders of the church, which resulted in him getting imprisoned for two months. Whoa. However, he became a champion of the liberal movement upon his release. Mm. He soon sold his stores in 1834. He's so so fuzzy. We want to say based off of, well, you've seen the movie, The Greatest Showman. Based off that movie, it's like all about acceptance and inclusion and all these people are different. And it's a great, great message. He's... I don't know how much they've twisted that, and we're going to find out more. Well, it's, I mean, I, yeah, you're going to tell me more, but watching the movie, which is a great movie, The Greatest Showman. Um, it's the greatest. It was about perseverance and friendship and love and all, I mean, all these awesome things, but I, I am pretty, we've talked about a little bit about this before, and he just, that wasn't really the, the reality of it and i think i think the person is going to be up to judge on this whether he was he was that person that they displayed or he was this other person yeah i think there's points on both sides but let's let's keep going yeah let's keep going in 1835 pt's life started to get very uh, interesting he was looking to break into show business because he was he's he's young he's in his 20s 25 at this point He's had all these experiences owning the store, and he was kind of at, in, a, in a public spotlight by criticizing the church and went to prison, and people know who this guy is. So he's like, well, I, there's money here. I want to get into show business. And when he was 25, he happened to come across a blind, paralyzed, and frail slave woman named Joyce Heth. 
This this woman was being paraded around Philadelphia, touted as George Washington's former nurse. (laughs) This would put the old lady at roughly 161 years old. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) Slavery was outlawed in New York at the time, but P.T. found a loophole, and he leased this woman for $1,000 for the year. You know, I haven't read through this. This, I, this is the first time me reading through the story that I wrote. I wrote this a couple months ago, so I haven't read through this in a while. I'm going to retract what I said like two minutes ago. I think this guy's an asshole. Um, so anyways. He was a businessman. He was out to make money, and a lot of times, I mean, yeah, a lot of times businessmen are kind of fucking rude and mean because <laughs> they want to make money. He's doing business, man. He's just doing business. All right, well, this, what is this, 1835? Okay, so slavery, what was this? Yeah, anyways, he's in, they're in the North. Slavery's outlawed, and he found a loophole, got this woman for $1,000 for a year. Of, so did he pay her $1,000? He paid, so whoever owned this, or like was in charge of her per, I was like, paraded, oh, so he paid her. Like, he's paying her $1,000 a year. That was probably a no. decent amount of money. Uh-uh. But no, he wasn't paying her. He was paying. I'm sure he wasn't. I okay. think the loophole was like technically she's getting paid. I I don't know for sure if she actually saw any money. Sure. She's she's very old. Either way, she's very, very old. She's yeah. frail. She's blind. She's right. paralyzed. Yeah. So she can't move, can't see. She's pretty much at the mercy of whoever's taking care of her. And, you know, they don't have long-term nursing facilities <laughs> at this point. No. So she's being touted around. This is George Washington's former slave, nurse, former nurse. And people are like, Wow. So he's like, man, there's a lot of money here. I could purchase this woman's rights to this woman, and then I can make a lot of money. That's where he's going with this. So he now owns this lady and is showing her off as George Washington's former nurse. Mm. And people are eating it up. They're super interested. So not more than a year later, Joyce actually passed away uh, at no more than 80 years old. Mm. Barnum basically worked this lady to death with up to 12 to 10 hours per day being shown off to the public for small fees. You think this was the end of her story. Like she died. Barnum took one last advantage and had her autopsy public uh, for people to see for 50 cents. This is like the really low point in the story. Uh, Yeah, it was, it was found that she was of course, at least half of her age. She wasn't 160 years old. She's 80 and she's a poor old lady. Uh, n- not a great move. No, <laughs> all things no. considered, good for him. He made yeah, a lot of making, money. He's making money on it. He made a lot of money. Come see George Washington's nurse get sliced open. Yeah, and then like people find out like, oh, she wasn't 160 years old, and like, what a shyster. No way. Man. He's a con man. <laughs> he was a con man. All right. Barnum tried for years to make a name for himself in show business. It wasn't until 1841 when he purchased a museum cleaned it up, Mm. updated its interior, and made it more attractive and renamed it Barnum's American Museum. It became a popular showplace. He added a lighthouse lamp, which attracted attention up and down Broadway and flags along the roof's edge and attracted attention that attracted attention in daytime, while giant paintings of animals between the upper windows drew attention from people walking by. It's a very attractive building. The roof, he actually transformed the roof into like a garden where people go up there and look at the city. And he launched, uh, launched hot air balloon rides every day. Huh. So it's really, really kind of a cool place. That is cool. That sounds cool. 
A changing series of live acts and curiosities were added to the exhibits of stuffed animals, including albino people, uh, giants, Uh, little people, jugglers, magicians, exotic women, and assorted unfamiliar animals. So, yeah, he's taking, like, real people and showing them off that are different. In 1842, Barnum introduced his first major hoax, a creature with the body of a monkey and the tail of a fish known as the Fiji mermaid. (laughs) Nice. Barnum justified his hoaxes by saying that they were meant to bring attention to the museum. Quote, I don't believe in duping the public, he said. But I believe in attracting and then pleasing them. Right. Okay. He soon followed his mermaid attraction with a real human exhibit. His name was Charles Stratton, but he went by the name General Tom Thumb. He was a little person. Have you heard of this guy? Just from the, I mean, just from the watching the movie, The Greatest Showman, yeah. Right, he was a, actually, his character, that name was a pretty main character. Yes. Uh, he, He was a little person who was then four years old. But he was said to be 11, so he was actually four. Ah. Barnum coached Charles to imitate people like Hercules and Napoleon. Uh, Charles was drinking wine at the age of five and smoking his cigars at seven for the public's amusement. <laughs> Jesus. The amusement museum had over 400,000 visitors yearly. Look at this little man. Yeah. Riding a horse, smoking a cigar. <laughs> Charmed. <laughs> He took Charles all over the world. This spectacle, as Barnum would have put it, made him very rich and popular, so he began to buy more museums and oddities, expanding his idea of showmanship. Mm-hmm. Him and Charles made, like, tens of millions of dollars together, and I think he actually, Charles, made a, a living. He, he was re- receiving a pretty good chunk of that. Yeah. So that's where he's, like, it's a gray area, right? Like, he's clearly taking advantage of these people, sometimes in horrible ways. Yeah, but you know, with you got to think: is there a point here? What would they be doing without PT Barnum? What would Charles have done without PT? Yeah, that's the sense you get in that in the movie too. Is you know these people were relegated to washing laundry and or being ridiculed and not having not able to get a job. They were they were considered freaks. Yeah, and he what does he do? He gives them a job and he pays them money. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was kind of you know a dick manipulative dick but <laughs> he gave people jobs yeah and it and there's so many different sides of the aisle too because you yeah you give them jobs you give them opportunity but then like all right you're clearly there's also you know again taking advantage of the, you, at the root cause is like well capitalism is the fucking worst because right that's all this is anyways trying to make money off of something which off of people's that's out of their that, control that is the beauty of capitalism but Things like that are all is also the down downside of capitalism. There's always an <laughs> ugly side. Yeah. There is. Yeah. While touring in Europe, Barnum came across Jenny Lind. Uh, she was a famous singer who was highly regarded as the finest vocalist of the day. She's in the movie as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He never actually heard her sing, but he saw her popularity and wanted a piece of that pie. <laughs> Barnum offered her one thousand dollars per night for one hundred and fifty nights to sing in America. She agreed, but wanted the funds in advance so she could use them for some of her charities. Barnum agreed, but had to borrow money heavily on his mansion and museum. Jenny Lynn seemed like a very straightforward, really good, good human. 
For months, Barnum hyped up the arrival of Jenny Lind so that when she finally sailed and made landfall in America, she was already a star. 40,000 people greeted her at the docks and another 20,000 people at her hotel when she arrived. Whoa. A ton, ton of people. Yeah. That was, I think, the beauty of PT is he was ultimate hype man marketing. He was, yeah, he was a showman. Exactly. The press was there and Jenny Lind items were available to buy already. She quickly realized how much money Barnum was. Yeah, the merch. You got to get the merch, dude. The Jenny Lind bucket. Jenny Lind t-shirts. The Jenny Lind corsets. Horse posters. Yeah, the Jenny Lind calendar. Yeah, right. Oh, man. She quickly realized how much Barnum was going to make and demanded a new contract. And she got it. She was reportedly trying to raise as much money for her charities as possible. Good for her. Good for her. Each show was sold out. The demand to see Lind was so high that Barnum auctioned tickets. This distressed Jenny, and she made Barnum sell the tickets at a lower price. She toured New York, went westward and into the southern states, and also Cuba. After a year, she became absolutely exhausted with Barnum's relentless commercialism and greed and severed ties with him. Mm. When all was said and done, she earned about $300,000, while Barnum earned $500,000, which is about $15 million today. So she still earned a pretty sizable She got a good chunk. Yeah. Now, in in real life, I think it's... it's, I mean, he set it all up. He was the organizer, so he... I mean, is it fair? He was... I don't know. Is it fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. Why? I mean, I, I guess, yeah. Again, both sides of the aisle, right? Which side she, do we want to Would she have done to? any of that without him? Right. He's yeah. he made the contracts, right? She agreed to right. it. Um, I wonder I don't if think in she the, knew. I don't think she knew what movie, she was in for. Because in the movie, she like falls in love with him. Yeah. That's I right. wonder if in real life, if that was at all oh. true, or if that was a tropey thing from the movie. I mean, it's hard not to fall in love with Hugh Jackman. Well, I mean, yeah, but you know. Especially when he sings like that. I, I would say no. PT, by my eye, not super hot. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I mean... Jenny Lynn's hot. I mean, she's, she looked good. The, the actress in the movie was a little scrawny for my taste. But, hmm. you know. Okay. Well, yeah. everybody has their pie. <laughs> okay, so... The love affair between P.T. Barnum and Jenny Lind in the movie is actually, it's complete fiction. There's no evidence that the two ever had a romantic relationship, which is, which makes me professional. Yeah, it makes me feel better about it because in the movie, she's sort of portrayed as like, kind of like manipulative and, and needy and clingy. Obviously, his boundaries were a little poor, but he never showed affection to like towards her he was just infatuated with like her as a show right and as a money-making thing and she took that as like she he loved her and when he didn't she canceled the tour Mm -hmm. uh so yeah not based in any there's no reality of the the love affair good yeah the movie made her seem like she was the manipulative one yeah 100 percent. there had to be uh there had to be some sort of drama that Led, led that led P.T. Barnum back from his uh, greedy ways, you know, because he mm-hmm. then you can't run down the street and sing from now on. Yeah, I mean, you have to break out and sing song. <laughs> yeah, right. 
These eyes will not be blinded by the light. Great song. <laughs> I love that whole soundtrack. Story. The whole soundtrack is brilliant, yeah. The wealth all went away. Well, he put out loans and invested money that ultimately left him bankrupt. Wow. The writer Ralph Waldo Emerson, upon learning of Barnum's fall from grace, stated that his downfall shows, quote, the gods are visible again. Mm. So I guess that tells you all we need. I, he's probably not a Man, great Emerson guy had to be some around. Brilliant quotes. He also said about John Muir, straight OG. Yeah. A real <laughs> straight killer. Straight killer. Real OG with nature. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's. I mean. He knew what he was talking about. So. Yeah. Emerson, man. Just talk about Emerson one day. But like any great showman, he emerges from the ashes with the help of his oddities. Charles, a.k.a. Tom Thumb, offered his services. He had been touring on his own for years while Barnum worked with Jenny and made other investments in his museums. With a European tour behind them, so basically Charles is like, hey, I'll help you out, man. Let's, let's do this thing. Let's go make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a whole European tour and got Barnum out of debt, and he built himself a new mansion. Mm. So once again, leaning on Charles to, to yeah, get him out of trouble. Yeah, get him back on top. This is where Bonham, Barnum goes, Bonham. <laughs> this is where Barnum goes all in on human oddities. He brings in Simon, Siamese twins, exhibits a black little person who spoke a mysterious language, which was made up by Barnum. Mm. He had giants. He continued to exhibit Tom Thumb as well as other little people. Due to his union sympathies, so he was, a, he was all in the north, a Confederate supporter burned his museum to the ground. Mm. Barnum rebuilt, but this new museum was too lost to fire. It was, uh, he built another museum, also burnt down, the same reasons. After this, Barnum was done with the museum business. Yeah. When P.T. Barnum was 60 years old, he started a circus. He teamed up with uh, Zach Efron, uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> shit, William Coop, uh, to form this new circus. It was the first traveling circus by train and was publicized as a circus of animals, menagerie, and, quote, freaks. Mm. Here we go. Here's the circus. Yeah. It went by many names over the years, such as P.T. Barnum's Traveling World's Fair, Great Roman Hippodrome, and Greatest Show on Earth. And uh, P.T. Barnum's Greatest Show on Earth. They eventually settled after a merger with James Bailey and known as Barnum and Bailey's Circus. Yeah. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 
pretty famous. I mean, I think everybody's heard of Barnum and Bailey's. And yeah. It's been the circus for the past hundred years. Right. And like, yeah, the only mainstream one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you ever been to a circus? Uh, I've been, I've never been to like that one, but I've been yeah. to smaller ones. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've been to a Barnum and Bailey circus. I was really little. I remember being at a circus once. There was like the whole thing, elephants, everything, yeah. you know, fire, everything. Yeah. Uh, Crazy. Cool. When I was a kid, it was yeah. cool. The circus had major issues such as train wrecks, fires, and public scrutiny, but Barnum was hell-bent on continuing to grow the circus. It did indeed grow, and the circus toured worldwide for several years and was one of the first to travel by train, which revolutionized monetary gains in the entertainment industry, and P.D. Barnum's just like fucking licking his chops at this point. Yeah. Yep. Uh, living in the success of his circus did not last long for Barnum, however. In 1891, he actually passed away from a stroke. Barnum also was a prominent politician in his day and was remembered pretty fondly for his role in government through huh. the, uh, into the 1900s. People really thought highly of him. Did you they say 1891? Yeah, 1891. Mm. Okay. In the 1900s, people made coins after this guy, and they, he was really, wow. really, people loved him. Uh, today's world has differing views on Barnum's life choices. Uh, a recent movie, which we've been talking about this whole time, about P.T. Barnum and his band of human oddities titled The Greatest Showman uh, was made. This movie is focused around acceptance of these pe different people into society and how their oddities uh, actually make them great. Uh, great message on acceptance. So I guess my question, I don't know. Was he a good person or was he not? You know? I think there's probably a lot of other things in his life that might say not, not a good person. I, I mean, did he did he give these people a chance at success, or was right. he exploitive and greedy? I think if you remove if you, if you remove a lot of the if you could look at this situation objectively and not with an emotional lens, I think objectively he's not a bad guy. He's trying to make he's trying to earn a living. He's trying to make money. That's the American dream, right? And so objectively. He's probably not a bad guy. He was just working the system, which, okay, cool. But looking at it from a little bit more empathetic, compassionate viewpoint, like, really manipulated people, and mm -hmm. he was kind of a snake oil salesman. You know what I mean? Like, he's just exactly. selling, he's selling bullshit to people, and but people bought it. Uh, so who's... Who's to blame, him or the people who bought it? You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, yeah, if he if people didn't buy it, then no business. He would have gone to something else. I mean, yeah. modern day, it comes down to, like, human rights, right? I mean, you want to... Sure. You, you, it's easy to think, well, what would little General Tom Thumb be without P.T. Barnum? Well, if someone showed Tom Thumb's real worth, he wouldn't have right. been just, you know, spectacled around like a piece of you meat. Gotta think about the animals too, though, because in the, in oh, recent years, into that. And oh the, my think, God, we're going to oh, yeah, right. yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big old topic right there. I'm going to tell you well, what. Well, yeah, let's get right into it then. As far as whether him being a good or a bad guy, it's hard to say for yeah. his time. That's like looking back, like we talked about Patton the other day, like for his time, he was an absolute badass American hero. You look back at it now, and it's like, man, some of that stuff is kind of questionable, but that's exactly what we needed in that moment. You know what I mean? And so it's it's just like looking at it through different lenses and yeah. understanding things value and, and not. Like, you can't look at the Holocaust and be like, yeah, there's some there's some factors of that that were probably pretty good. Like, literally none of that was good. It was all bad. But looking at 
P.T. Barnum or George Patton, obviously there are some positives that come out of those situations. And yeah. so like saying whether they were good or a bad person, I mean, we weren't there. We don't know. But ultimately, history is the best judge. Yeah, you learn what you can. There's a big movement right now, with too, with like kind of flipping things on their side for everything we've known about the past and, yeah. and showing a different side of it. They're trying I to change history a little bit. I don't know if it's changed history, but give like a differing viewpoint. Like, hey, this is actually what was going on. Like, there's a lot of things that we learn in history class that were just like, oh, yeah, mill. it's just mill training, right? We're just running through the mill. Yeah. A lot of things that have happened that never, no light was really shed on, you know? Yep. So up until, you know, we'll get to a date later on, up until, you know, the circus really started falling apart in our society, P.T. Yeah. Barnum was like, man, this guy's awesome. He made this really, really great, you know, right. show, made a lot of money. He's a great businessman. He's a great government official. He made it produce a lot of money. But, you know, opinions change, things change. And, and those are still facts, right? It's still the truth. Yeah. Uh, it's just something that was never covered before. Right. So, all right, man. Cool. Let, let's continue. Um, and, and so he died... In 1907, Barnum and Bailey's was bought by the Ringling Brothers for $400,000, about $10 million in today's money. Pretty big purchase. The Ringling Brothers would continue the work of showcasing oddities, though they became far less manipulative. They began using elephants as their main showcase. Now, elephants were truly exotic and new animals to Americans, and they fascinated us. However, these elephants were out of their natural environment. They traveled in tight quarters on trains mm -hmm. and were subject to abusive tactics in order to behave. Having flashbacks from Dumbo. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Besides the Ringling Brothers, others' circuses popped up and would use elephants in their acts, but with the same unnatural care of life was provided to these creatures. This would result in several public catastrophes that would enrage animal rights activists and others alike. I mean, you don't have to be an animal rights activist for this to piss mm -hmm. you off. And we're going to get into a couple of them, so not great. On February 1st, 1992, decades, you know, February 1st, Within 1992. our lifetimes, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wasn't born yet. I was still growing, and I was still baking, but... Oh, yeah. I was I was out of the oven for a few months. Yeah? Oh, good for you. <laughs> okay. How was it? I think it was good. Cool. Just eat and poop and sleep a lot, you know? Yeah, cry. Cool. Yeah, cry, yeah. Cool, man. Well, on February 1st, 1992, at the Great American Circus in Palm Bay, Florida, an elephant named Janet went out of control while giving a ride to a mother, her two children, and three other children. So she's carrying, uh, mm. let me do the math there, that's six people. The elephant then stampeded through the circus grounds outside before being shot to death by police. Jeez. Also during a circus international performance in Honolulu, Hawaii in 1994, an elephant called Tyke uh, killed her trainer and severely, severely mauled her groomer in front of hundreds of spectators. Wow. Tyke then bolted from the arena and ran through the streets of Kakaiko for more than 30 minutes. Police fired 86 shots at Tyke, who eventually collapsed from the wounds and died. Animal rights activists came down heavy on circus performances following these two incidents. Mm -hmm. After investi investigation by PETA and partnering groups, they found uh, the following statistics in 2008. 71% of the observed animals had medical problems. 
33% of tigers and lions did not have access to an outdoor enclosure. The lions spent on average 98% of their time indoors. An average enclosure, enclosure for tigers was only five square meters. It's not very big. Mm-mm. Elephants are shackled in chains for 17 hours a day on average. Elephants spend an average of 10 hours a day showing stereotypic uh, behavior for uh, depression. They're very emotional animals, so depression yeah. and anxiety and uh, you know, outside of their typical natural behavior. Yeah. Tigers are terrified of fire but are still forced to jump through fire rings. And since 1990, there have been over 123 cases of lion attacks at circuses, and all the animals were trained through discipline. It's crazy, right? You make an animal do something it doesn't want to do. It's, it's weird. Gonna, it kills you. <laughs> ah, it's weird. It's like you take the thing out of the natural environment, and yeah. it's not good. Oh, shit. The elephant stampeded and killed a bunch of people because we literally basically torture it? Ah, that's crazy. And... And we don't we didn't know much. I don't know how much we knew about elephants back then. But I mean, come on. Like, that's where enough to know that this stuff was not okay. Yeah, that's where (laughs) we can look back at his legacy now. Yeah. And be like, dude, fuck that guy and everything. It's probably way worse in his time with that than it was in in the 90s. You know, I mean, I bet I'm sure it got better as time went on, but it was never good. I'm sure. So uh, here's the thing. It was revolutionized once they brought the railroad in. So now they've started putting their, their elephants on the railroad, and those are really tight quarters, and they're starting to... this loud and noisy, shaky, yeah. and totally outside of this. Ele- elephants are just kind of walk around and grab water, peaceful, and they're scared of m- mice. Like Right. So like well, that railroad, I think it got worse once the railroad came in, because now they're shipping them everywhere disciplining them whipping them to get on trains yeah uh, whipping to get off uh, horrible situations for these animals so that's where you look back at the legacy of some of these guys early on and be like man fuck that because mm-hmm. everything that they did led to this shit yep and it's horrible and you don't have to be like huge on animal activism to know that all of this is horrible and nothing deserves to be submitted to that so in 2012 the dutch banned the use of animals in circus performances In testimony in the U.S. District Court in 2009, Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey Circus CEO uh, Kenneth Field acknowledged that circus elephants are uh, struck behind the ears, under the chin, and on their legs with metal-tipped prods called bullhooks. Feld stated that these practices are necessary to protect circus workers. That should... That's pretty stupid. It's just bullshit. It's, uh, it's like, well, why do you got to protect the circus workers? Don't fucking, okay. Elephants are the Prop main. them with bull hooks. Yeah, I mean, well, you don't have to protect a circus worker if there's no fucking circus because this is not necessary to do. Right, right. Okay, elephants are the main focus of litigation in these animal abuse lawsuits against the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. The circus won the lawsuit wow. with the judge, judge citing a lack of evidence in support of the allegations. Man, crazy. So he's like, there's not enough evidence. Right. Everything's behind closed doors. Um, the circus did pay a $270,000 fine for a violation of the Animal Welfare Act, which is peanuts. 
Um, and and we're almost there. In 2014, a 14-year litigation came to an end with the Humane Society and several other animal rights activist groups paying a $16 million settlement to the Feld, to Feld Entertainment. However, less than a year later, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey Circus would close for good after a 146-year run, mm. citing a severe decline in attendance and discounting their elephant showcase. Uh, discontinuing right. their elephant showcase. So actually, <laughs> Feld Entertainment, that guy got paid $16 million because of a litigation. Um, yeah. They couldn't prove it, so all these court costs and everything, they got a bunch of money. They still needed to close because nobody wanted to go anymore. It was too yeah. much public public scrutiny. Crazy. So, yeah, I mean, here's here's some good shit. Countries around the world have come together to ban the use of wild animals in the circus, including Wales, Scotland, India, Iran, Israel, Lebanon, Mexico, Peru. Taiwan has banned the export of wild animals mm-hmm. For circus purposes, other countries that banned it, Singapore, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Bolivia, and England. It's really great that some of these, because you, you stop it from the source. Like Taiwan, yeah. you're, not, you're not taking Asian animals elephants. out of our... Yeah, yeah you're, not, you're not taking them. Yeah. So if you don't breed them in America with these other elephants, then and you can't get them from their natural place, and you can't have them. Yeah. Great. Perfect idea. Yep. Uh, only five states in the USA have a ban on wild animal use. Hmm. New Jersey, Illinois, Hawaii, California, and New York. All of them have banned them since 2018. Hmm. Not that long ago. You can still see exotic animals at the circus in the USA. However, a bunch of sanctuaries have opened up across the world and taken in many retired circus elephants who are now living out their days in relative freedom and harmony. As a philosopher somewhere once said, the greatness of a nation and its moral progress can be judged by the way its animals are treated. Yeah, that's so true. I hear that all the time. It's like uh, when you're going to date, especially like a like a, from a female perspective, you can kind of tell the way your potential man is going to be by the way they treat animals. It's so true because it's really easy to think like, oh, it's just an animal. I can treat it like shit. Because it doesn't matter, but yeah. it's it's just not true. That's why it's like they can't talk back, right? Yeah, they can bite back, sure, or yeah. like some of those elephants before they can have a psychotic break. It's pretty much what it was. Yeah, but- like seriously, that's exactly what it was. They they pushed them over the they pushed them over to the fucking line. Literally, yeah. <laughs> it was horrible. I mean, it's horrible. It is horrible. I actually looked up, and you can still go to the circus. I looked up like where different circuses are, and mm. like you can find some of their websites. Very few actually have animals that I could find, but and the ones that did, there was like one that did, and it was like totally like all of our animals are treated with uh, more respect and have their space and all this stuff, and they're right. treated you know fairly. And you know, okay, who knows? I don't know, but uh, yeah, I still probably won't ever go to the circus ever. No, ever. Yeah, I. It's it's really interesting to think. You said the Ringley Brothers, Barnum and Bailey. It was around 140 years to think about all of those things that maybe went, all these animals that came through the doors, but they can't voice their concerns. They can't voice, you know, they don't have a workers' union. Mm-hmm. And to think about like how many innocent animals got abused or killed or fuck, who knows? It's just, just horrible. Those to think that just about. like died of. 
depression yeah, or like right. old age, just never getting to yeah. touch free land, free soil, free grass. That... And there were probably people who worked at these places and loved these animals. Oh yeah. And you know what I mean? And there was, and I'm sure there's plenty of stories of handlers who were good and who were not shit bags, but there's even more who were just shit bags because they, you know, the tiger won't jump through the hoop or the elephant won't go up yeah. on its hind legs, which is really painful for them and all that type of shit. Yeah. That's crazy. I, it's, we, we went from like, man, he, maybe he wasn't such a bad guy. And then you talk about this type of shit. And like you said, this is the legacy like that, that's the legacy right there. And it's like, that, I mean, that changes it, especially if you're an animal lover, you know what I mean? That, that really. Yeah. And it's interesting it. the, the difference because now we're talking about animals and we're like, oh, fuck no. But we talk about some human oddities and we're like, well, can we rationalize that? Yeah. Like with animals, like clear line in the sand. Animals don't have a voice. Exactly. They don't have a voice. Right. We need to be their voice. Whereas, okay, well, General Tom Thumb and these other people, at some point they did make a conscious choice. Yeah. To be a part of it because... Tom Thumb, like I said, he went off on his own away from Barnum and still did this. Yep. Were they manipulated and all that? Yeah. I mean, it's up to you to decide which but side. But ultimately, you go people on. can but, people make choices, whether they're manipulated or bribed or whatever. There there is a choice involved in that. Animals do not get those choices. Therefore, it's just it's not the same. In my opinion, it's just not the same. Yeah. Nobody held a well, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm sure you know, P.T. Barnum didn't go up to these people and hold a gun to their head and say, if you don't perform in this show, I'm going to shoot you. But if the elephants or tigers or whatever didn't perform, they were punished. They got beaten. They were, you know, I mean, yeah, fall in line. Yeah, I, I feel like the take home message is it's easy to justify a lot of different things in the moment and whatever. But there's certain things that you should never be able to justify and you sh should always always say something about and that's that's our job that's our duty is i think i, I in one of our podcasts I, we were talking about the buffalo like it's our duty as human beings to protect these creatures and other and other people too protect the voiceless be a voice the, for the yeah, voiceless exactly because most of the people listening to this podcast have uh, the resources to be able to have a voice about something you're not at a point where you literally have nothing. It's our job to to be a voice for the voiceless and stand up for what's right at the at the end of the day. It's really easy to just fall in line and and go with the flow, but that's not always the right thing to do. And that's part of what being a warrior is about. You have to stand up for what's right. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. Voice for the voiceless, voice for yourself too. Yeah. Cool. Exactly. All right. Well, the good, the happy note on this is that all of those, most, a lot of those animals are in sanctuaries, especially the elephants, which is great. And uh, we did that shit. We're on the like, we're on the downward swing of the shittiness of circus. <laughs> yeah. The circuses. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 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 All right. Well, we'll be back next week. Remind you guys to take a second, go to your little Spotify, go to your little uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever platform you might be listening on, because you can find us on damn near every podcasting platform. Hit that five star rating, 
and leave us a... Man, we love written reviews. We just got another written review today. I read it, uh, and it referenced your quote about John Muir being a straight OG. That was the other day, yeah. Yeah, I found out who that was, and I'm going to send him a sticker. It was my uncle. I knew, because that he loves that quote. Anytime I talk to him now, <laughs> he brings that up. He's a real OG. <laughs> he, he loves it. So... Yeah, that's uh, we love the written reviews, and we're starting to do a thing where if you leave a written review, screenshot it, send it to us, send it to our email, weeklywarriorpodcast at gmail.com. Message us on Facebook. We have the Weekly Warrior Podcast page on Facebook. Message us on Instagram, at the Weekly Warrior Podcast. What other ways can they get a hold of us? That's, I mean, that's uh, the main give, forms. I mean, well... Here, I got your phone number. We'll get that out here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there we go. But send us these things, and we'd love to send you a sticker. We just got a new logo. We're probably going to be getting some stickers with that. They're going to be fresh and hype. And so if you send us the screenshot of the review and your address, we'll send you a sticky. And the best thing you can do is actually share it with a friend, family member, teammate, coworker, whoever you think might find this stuff useful and we're gonna keep pumping out this good shit churning it like butter churning it like mf butter until next week bones for all of you out there listening striving to be the best that you possibly can be we hope you listen to this and put forward the effort and discover your warrior within Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 